What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. What are we going to talk about? Do, do, do. Okay. Well, I got mine up and going. Well, so my recording is on. What are we you guys ready? About? Oh, hang on. I can't hear you for some reason. <laughs> can't hear me? Am I on? Yeah. No, you're, you're on. My phone volume was turned way down. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, why do you all of a sudden sound like you're in a hole? <laughs> Well, I, I don't honestly know at the moment. I was kind of thinking that we would discuss how to read your comb inside the colony, but at the same time, it's a it's a very visual thing, so it may be a very short discussion because <laughs> we can't give visual aids to go along with uh, what is what in there. So, But that was kind of my initial thought for uh, for the main segment here. Um, and of course, I, I needed to do a shout out for Patreon, and uh, now I've got the phone up to my head. <laughs> uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we do what you just said? We talk about reading the comb, and then you can go and say, you know, this is so much visual that we're just going to have to make this one of the bonus episodes. That might be an easy bonus episode. Well, I was thinking about making it one of the training and education videos as well, but that doesn't do, yeah, that, that doesn't do the, the greater, cause this is information that I think all of the beekeepers need to know, not, you know, not necessarily just our patron members, but all the beekeepers actually need to understand how to read the comb. And I do have, I have a presentation that I do sometimes for some of the local clubs and things like that, um, that is geared towards it. And my thought is with everything being, you know, like, oh, everything's online now and it's all digital and, you know, let's do a Zoom meeting and let's do this. Well, I kind of think I can possibly use Zoom to put the presentation on my screen, record it and record me talking through it and then turn around and save that as a file that I can then put out there for everybody to go through and take a look at. And they would be able to actually get the visuals of how to go through and, and read the comb. So... Uh, but before we do that, real quick, let me let me pull my phone away here real quick and take a look because we do have another new patron, okay. and uh, we want to give a shout out to them. And I'm gonna apologize in advance because I'm probably going to butcher your name, and I do greatly apologize for that. But we want to give a shout out here to our newest patron on Patreon, and your first name. I'm hoping with my fingers crossed is Muhundan. And so, Muhundan, thank you very much for joining. We greatly appreciate that. And for everybody else out there, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash hivejive. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash hivejive. And that's where all the bonus episodes live now. You know, you heard Ken talking about us possibly making that a bonus episode. Well, that's where all the bonus episodes lives. That's where the deeper dive episodes live. That's where the training and education videos live. And all of that stuff is out there for the taking. Um, their Patreon is basically a system that is set up where you can show support to artists and people that produce different things. 
and you know so there's a tier structure to it and you can subscribe to one of those tiers and then gain access to all of the information that is under that tier so if you're interested feel free to go out there and check it out if not that is perfectly fine you can always catch our regular episodes every single monday right here where you are right now and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that as well so there you go now you've got me already to ask all kinds of questions well, if it's about reading comb, that's awesome. If it's not, you'll have to save it for Thursday's episode. <laughs> well, no, this is about reading comb. Okay. Because, uh, well, let me give a quick uh, story. You know, what was it? When you brought me those uh, those Corniolan queens, and I had I requeened four, four colonies. Well, the three of the colonies did wonderful, and... One, let's see, we were having Max, my son, he says, Dad, and this is, we're going to talk about the the queens here. One of the highs we pulled out, and that was the cutout. We pulled out the frames, and he says, look at this. This is crazy. Look at the brood pattern, and look at, well, no, it wasn't the cutout. We moved those two around. We ought to talk about that sometime, how you had us move those two hives apart because the cutout was a weak hive and they were really close together the trailer hive was a very strong hive and you had us move the trailer hive to where the cutout was and the cutout to where the trailer hive was and then all of a sudden now the cutout is super strong well it's really really strong and the trailer hive is, not, it still has a lot of bees in it, not as many, but they're still plenty strong, and everything is doing so great. And it's because of what you, how you told us to do that. But now, read and comb. <laughs> You're just going to leave that one hanging? <laughs> yeah. no, hang like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that on another episode how to move your hives around in colonies. I around. might, I might forget that by then. <laughs> Write yourself. <enough. laughs> I will. Uh, I got my book right here. So, but anyway, uh, on reading the comb on the cutout, when we pulled out the, the brood box was Max was look at this because the cutout, that queen was, very sporadic. I mean, there'd be two or three here, and then there'd be two or three down here, and there'd be one or two here, and then there'd be one or two here. Now, that Corniolan queen that we got from you, they are just solid frames, deep frames of brood. I mean, not, and when I'm saying solid, I'm going to say three quarters of the frame is covered in brood. Very nice. On, on both sides. And I mean it's just that 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 is fixed that that colony is fixing to explode because he pulled out four frames that was solid like that. And I'm sitting there, that is one busy queen. But and then he said, Well, Dad, look at these. And he pulled out some others. He says, Look down in there. And you can see eggs and larvae down in in a lot of the uh, in a lot of the comb. And I, he said, They're fixing to be kept capping that off before long he said this he says we may be having to stack new me a new boxes on here he says it's fixing to get crazy but now the 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 
trailer hive, she has like three or four inch strips just where big arches of of brood cat brood and there'll be a big arch of cat brood and then underneath there'll be a cat you know cat brood and then there'll be empty in the middle of it now is that something that we got to keep watch on or is that you know we're reading comb here is that something that that she's just not covering that comb or what happened there well, there could be any number of different things that happen. So, and this is not your specific scenario, but it's another thing that sometimes people will notice. And if you don't think about it, you're like, what on earth? But um, sometimes you'll find comb that was the wax foundation that has the wires through it. You'll find that they will not lay eggs over the top of where the wires are. And so you'll wind up with these perfectly square shape patterns of brood with one single cell line all the way down where they didn't lay any brood or all the way across where they didn't lay any brood. And it's because that wire's running through there and it may be protruding into the bottom of the cell and it may be an anomaly that they're like, eh, and say so they skip it. So that's one reason why you'll find sometimes odd shapes in there. The other thing too is when they do start their brood, they'll go through and say they start it and she makes a little... She's kind of between boxes, we'll pretend, and she makes a little half circle at the bottom of one frame right in the center. And so to feed that half circle of eggs and larvae, they bring in nectar and pollen, and they make a little arc across the top of it so that it's right there by them so they can go through and feed them. Well, above that may have still been open comb, and so she comes back later, and she lays in that top section. And then you get these two generations going. Well, then they use all that food that was in the middle in that arc, and you'll end up with this perfect little band that runs through there of nothing with brood above and below it. And that's usually just because there was temporarily liquid, you know, nectar or sugar syrup, something there, or even pollen, bee bread, that was spread in there to feed the brood and the larvae that were really close to that actual section. So that's another reason sometimes you can kind of come across some of those bizarre shapes and patterns. But as long as the brood itself is fairly continuous. Um, it doesn't matter if it only stretches three or four inches or if it covers the entire frame. As long as you've got, you know, 10 or 15 solid things of capped brood that are kind of uninterrupted, that's good. That, that's still considered like a good laying pattern. Now, she may not lay an entire frame. If there's not enough food available, she may shrink that down and make it just a smaller section. Or you can have frames that you pull out where literally Top to bottom, side to side is just solid brood. And even on those, though, when you look in there, you're going to see every once in a while one random cell that's completely empty. And the reason for that is because, again, there may have been something in that cell that they needed to be able to, you know, get access to. And so she had to skip it because it was preoccupied with food or something else. And so she went over that one. Or it could be one thing that had either a genetic anomaly or something was wrong with it, so they removed it. Or in some cases, especially when it's still cooler outside, they will purposefully leave one empty open cell in between, or they will open it up themselves, and they will leave that open cell in between a small little one to two inch cluster of capped cells. And that's because if they do need to warm everybody up, 
it's easier for them to climb down inside that cell and vibrate to generate that heat and heat everything that's surrounding it than it is to try and just do it from the surface. So they will strategically leave little open spots here and there in the brood for that as well. But those are, from a brood perspective, those are some of the things that, those are all normal, those are good. If you're looking at your brood though, and you're thinking that you've got a shotgun brood pattern, the true definition of a shotgun brood pattern is, and they, they call it this because think about, especially for you for like hunting and fishing and stuff, think about the pattern a shotgun makes if you were to shoot a target at a little bit of a distance. If you shoot it up close, it just makes a giant hole. But if you get back a little ways and you shoot it, it's peppered. It's got you know tiny holes everywhere, but they're not all grouped together in a clump. Well, that's kind of what they refer to when they're talking to a shotgun brood pattern in your comb is there's one cap cell here, and then three or four inches later is another cap cell, and then three or four inches later is another cap cell. And in between those, it's either complete chaos where you've got here's an older larva, here's an egg, here's an empty cell, here's a medium larva followed by an egg, followed by an empty cell, followed by a large larva, you know, like all different stages. That is usually what you get into sometimes with a capped or with a, a shotgun brood pattern. And it's kind of going through and, and it's indicative of two different things. The number one thing is obviously something is happening that is causing the bees to remove those larvae. It's not that she's going through and skipping cells, even though it looks like it. She went through and did what she normally would, where she laid in that concentric circular pattern and filled that whole thing up. But then something happened to that entire first generation and only a few of them survived. It could have been disease. It could have been something like maybe your mite counts high. Maybe they have deformed wing virus or some other virus that's spreading through there. And so the bees are going through and removing the ones that are affected or infected and taking them out. It could be genetic. It could be that she wasn't properly mated and therefore there's something wrong with the genetic aspect of it. And that's something that I go in depth on in the deeper dive episode that just came out last week. So, um, but if it's a genetic anomaly and the bees detect that there's something genetically out of place, they will still go through and remove those young larvae and remove the brood from there. And then the queen comes back by and she's like, oh, well, there's a whole bunch of open cells here now. So she lays there again. And the same thing happens. And they remove more of those, but a few of them are left to live. And then it happens again. And that's how you get this really random, spread out pattern that you're looking at where some are capped, some are brand new, some are eggs. And it shouldn't go that way. You should be able to start in the center with capped brood. And as you move outward, you'll find really old larvae that's ready to be capped. And then you'll find medium age larvae. And as you go out further, you'll find young larvae. And then you'll get to larvae that just hatched. And on the very outer peripheral of that, you'll find eggs. Because she, again, she starts in the center and lays in these concentric circle patterns. So you should be able to follow that pattern and follow the progression of older larvae all the way down to egg. And when you don't, when you're looking at it and it's like, here's one capped, here's one egg, here's one medium larva, all mixed up together, then that's something else going on. And that's something that we did see on some of those hives back uh, late winter, early spring, whenever I came out there and helped you guys check. And I was like, oh, this one's, this one's got a problem. And we went ahead and we treated that colony and then uh, eventually requeened it. And, you know, that was one of those reasons why as to that. But Going through and, and reading your comb, though, also can talk about food and what's going on with stuff. So very early on in the first year of the podcast itself, when we were talking about feeding bees, 
for the very first time. And then also uh, in the winter episodes when we talked about feeding and then coming out of winter, we talk about how you can give the bees a quart of honey. I'm sorry. You can give them a quart of sugar syrup and they will go through and literally they can drain that entire quart jar in less than 24 hours. But it doesn't mean they ate the, the actual sugar syrup. All they did is they took it from the reservoir and put it into the comb because the comb is where they actually do everything and where they utilize it. So when you learn to read comb and you're feeding your bees, you need to understand what's going on. If you gave them a quart of, of feed and they drained it in 24 hours, they've taken it and they've put it in their cells. So if you go in there and do an inspection the next day and you're going through your comb, you should see a lot of what we call wet cells, which means they're open and they're full of liquid. And it'll be a clear liquid because it came from your sugar syrup. So you'll see these liquid-filled cells everywhere. Those cells occupy space, and if the queen were coming through and that were the only place left to lay, she would no longer be able to lay any eggs because it's now full of liquid. So that's why we tell everybody you feed them, and then you wait a minimum of three days, and then you check them, and if the cells still have a ton of open liquid in them, you don't feed them again because they need to process through that and utilize it to feed the brood and draw out new comb and things like that and open those cells back up so the queen can continue laying. Now, if you go and you check it on the third day and all the cells are dry, meaning there's nothing in them, there's no liquid in them, then you could feed them again because if all the cells in the colony are dry, your colony is starving. There is no incoming food. You know, they may be laying babies, but they may be feeding the babies everything that comes in as soon as it comes in, and so they have no food in there. So then you could go ahead and feed them again, and that's where you get up to your two quarts a week. But it's all based on going in and reading the comb. Now, bees do store pollen, and they, they ferment it and pack it down and mix it with enzymes and get it the pollen to crack open so it makes the nutrients more readily available. And that's what we call bee bread. And they will put the bee bread in there. They'll put it in little arcs, again, around the brood. They'll also sometimes do capped food just in the top corners of your frames or the top section of the comb. And that's on every comb that has brood in it. As long as they've got plenty of food coming in, they'll do this because then they got those food stores readily available. But sometimes they will bring in so much pollen that you'll have entire sides of comb or entire frames that's just solid pollen. That can actually create a barrier because they, they won't take that out and move it to another spot just to do it. It'll permanently be there till they eat it. So sometimes those we will move around so that you've got plenty of open comb on the other side of them. And it's not like dividing or blocking something. But those are different things that you're going to see inside your colony when you go through there and you're looking at the comb. And it really helps to know those things. Because, for instance, for us in Central Texas, our colonies were doing amazing in February and March. They were exploding, they were growing like crazy, and it was it was phenomenal. And then all of a sudden April hit, and we had this really bizarre stretch of weather where it would hit 85 to 90 degrees, then a cold front would hit, a storm system would come through, it would rain for two days on end, and the temperatures would drop all the way back down to 40 or 50 for the daytime high. And then it would turn around and do it again. And it kind of shocked all of our flowers. So you look at these landscapes where we've got flowers everywhere, but there's no nectar in those flowers because one, the rain washes what is there away. And then two, the cold snap kind of puts the flowers back into a dormant state where they're not really producing like they should be because by now, most of these flowers are flowers that are going to be springtime, warm weather flowers. So the colonies came to a screeching halt. 
And I didn't lose any colonies over the winter. And I didn't lose any colonies in February. Didn't lose any in March. And then all of a sudden, in the last week and a half, we lost three nukes. Every single one of them ran out of food. And then here wasn't that long ago, just a few days ago, we had another random cold snap and every one of them got chilled, had no food, starved and died. And so it was the the classic scene you would see when you come out of the, the winter and you pull out a colony that's dead and you look and in the cells is all these bees with their heads buried down in the bottom of the cell and their little butts sticking out. And then directly below them is just a pile of dead bees. And that is very indicative of a colony that is starved to death because they got they had no food and they got cold. And when they get cold, they can't go very far. So there may be food in some of these situations where it's just a couple of frames over, but the bees couldn't get to it because there weren't enough of them to keep them warm and warm enough to be able to move to get the food and then bring the food back and share it. So they end up getting cold. The cold makes them immobile and then they starve and then they die. And so to have that happen in mid-April is absolutely insane, especially when we should be ramping up on our nectar flow. And these colonies are ones that they weren't ones that we could get to very easily. They weren't ones that we were checking as frequently, especially with all the quarantine stuff going on, because they're in locations where we got to be a little bit more careful on when we go and what we do. And so the ones at the farm are okay. The ones in the backyard are okay. Um, but we did have several of them that, that just, they just pooped out and died. And that was why they ran out of food. Now, if we were able, if it's a colony that's in your backyard, you should be going out there and doing your inspections. And if you go out there and you look and you know that that colony was just rocking and rolling and bringing in tons of food, and then all of a sudden you check them next week and that's full of just dry comb everywhere and you can't find any cat food stores, you can't find any open liquid, your colony is starving and you need to feed it. And so we had to make a shift for ourselves. We usually stop feeding in mid-April because then that gives them the last part of April to burn through any remaining sugar they had in there. And then all of May and all of June is our main nectar flow here in Central Texas. And that guarantees that everything that then comes in gets processed and gets turned into honey is truly honey. So we usually quit feeding, but we did have to turn around and start feeding. And we're going to feed up until May 4th um, just enough, you know, not tons, but just enough that they're able to continue raising brood because a lot of them, since how we went into a dearth, a lot of them shut down their brood production. And so we've had a lot of clients that are like, oh my God, I think my queen's gone. There's no eggs. There's no brood. I don't know what's going on. Well, right now it's a, it's a catch 22. It could be that the colony swarmed and there's a new virgin queen in there and you just haven't found her yet. Or it could be that the colony just shut down production because there was no food. So being able to know the difference between dry cells, wet cells, what cells were wet and now are dry or vice versa. Um, and your patterns of what you're doing come in very, very handy when you're going through and you're doing your beekeeping because how else are you going to know what's truly going on unless you're actually looking at the frames in the comb and taking it all the way down to where, Ken? <laughs> to the bottom All box. the way to the bottom box. <laughs> unless you got a bottom box, unless your, your master beekeeper told you, okay, Ken, you need to take that medium put it on the bottom because it's full of honey and then you put your brood box on top of that because they're not going to go through the honey what the hell did you tell me to do <laughs> that's coming out of winter that's different um we wanted to give them open space above their head so that they did not feel like they already had plenty of food stores so we took the box full of honey and we put it on the very bottom 
And then that gave them all this open space where they were laying eggs. And then we put an empty box of drawn comb on top of that. So now above their head, their pantry is all empty space, which tells them we need to get to work in. We've got lots of room to raise babies and we need to bring in food. Now you still, you still have to check that down though. <laughs> that medium that was full of honey is full of brood and bees and the brood box is too. Right. But you still have to go to the bottom box because if you assume that bottom box is still fully capped honey and therefore you're not feeding that colony and then you go and you look and that colony died and you're like, what happened? And then you realize, well, they ate through all of that honey like a month ago and I didn't know it because I never looked. So that's where some of the times we get into problems is because we assume and we don't actually go from what the colony is telling us. We don't go by what we're physically seeing inside the colony. So it's always very important to do your inspections, get suited up, go frame by frame and look and know, do I have a shoddy brood pattern? Is it a shotgun brood pattern? Is there something going on with the weather that could have caused them to cut back on brood production? Are they in need of food? How much food should I feed them? Because you don't want to feed them so much that they have solid frames of capped sugar syrup because then they may never go through it. And when you do your honey harvest, it's going to be partially sugar syrup and you don't want that, you know, so you've got to do these inspections to know what's really going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I got now I'll throw another curve at you on, you know, I got how many packages? I got 11 packages. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they're all doing wonderful by the way. We opened them up, uh, yesterday. Well, I opened some of them up earlier and, and, but, the first one we, the first two we put out, me and you and Max put out, and you just shot some video on those. What was that? That was less than a month ago, or maybe right at a month. Ago. No, that was that was longer than that. That was uh, right when the quarantine was kicking into place. Like it, it, they they shut down Austin like that Monday, and we did that the the Saturday before or something like that. Or no, we did it on Monday and they shut everything down on like Wednesday or something. It was it was just a few days before the lockdown. Max, you know, Max is, by the way, Max is in his, he's going to be an apprentice beekeeper. He's getting his apprenticeship and he's bought all this books that, uh, that they told him to get. And it's the Beekeeper's Handbook. Is that one of them? Mm -hmm. yep. And I don't think he should have got that book. Because now he's he's opening up the hives. He says, Dad, look here. He says, okay, let's find the queen. Oh, look here. It's an Italian queen. I said, how the hell do you know? Because it talks with an accent. Oh, it buzzes with an accent. I says, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, and we, we you and I did have this conversation on the phone, but there you cannot tell what a queen is by looking at her. And that is simply because there, there are some patterns. Carniolans will be darker. Russians can be solid black. Um, yeah. but really you don't find it in the queen because that queen can be solid amber. She can be solid, almost like a yellow or gold color. She can be solid black. She can be any shade in between those. She can have tiger stripes. The stripes can be reversed. Like she can have a black tip to her abdomen, but the top half of it be a different color, almost like a reddish amber color. Um, there's all these different colorations that a queen can be. And we've intermixed everything so much, it's really hard to say what is what. But what you have to pay attention to are the offspring of the queen. 
So the workers inside the colony, you know, we usually think about a honeybee as being traditionally kind of a, a, a striped bee. Well, the pure Italians are an amber-colored caprice shell to them with a light tan fuzz that makes them solid golden. Now, you can have bees where their, their abdomen, the shell of their abdomen, is solid black, but they still have that light tan fuzz, so it gives them the black and, and yellow kind of stripe to them, but it's not really yellow. You can have ones where the upper half of the, the abdomen is a yellow or amber color, and then it turns into black segments or a black tip, but then you still put that striped tan fuzz over the top of it. And then you've got others that, like, they just run the whole gambit. And your your European bee, the or the German bee, the black German bee, is a black bee with almost a gray fuzz to it. And the, the Carniolan lineage can be a dark bee with almost a grayish brown fuzz to it. Um, your Russian bees are going to be black bees with tan fuzz kind of to them. So... And then you get, you know, again, out here, we have this mixing pot, our redheaded mutts. They're, they're going to be kind of all this different stuff mixed together. But that's also why when you look inside your colony, you'll see all of that. You'll see, well, this one here is, is a very almost light golden color. And then this one over here is black and it's got the tan stripes. And this one's a combination of the two because she mates with so many different drones. You have so much different genetic material going on in there. But yeah, you can't tell by looking at the queen. Like, that doesn't tell you anything. Now, if you've got a queen, and that queen, the entire colony is pumping out just nothing but these beautiful golden bees, that's an Italian queen. Not because of what she looked like, but because of what the babies looked like. Okay. Well, I know on the, the two that uh, that we put in, they are going crazy. Uh, in fact, we're probably fixing to have to put uh, Max's dad, look here, he says, they're getting full. He says, we need to put mediums. So Monday, I think we're putting mediums on both of those. And these, he found two or three of the Carniolans that he wants to change. We're going to put five mediums on top of the packages. The the Russians that we have, we you know, we've got about three packages of Russians. One of the queens died, and we changed her to a Carniolan. By the way, she's she's doing wonderful. And got a heck of a brood pattern. The two Russians that made it, they are, by the way, they are both black queens. Uh, they're, mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, people have told me, oh, you don't want to have Russians. Not you, but some of the others <laughs> because they're mean. Uh-uh. Uh -uh. They ain't that much difference in a Carniolan and a Russian. These here, these well, bees, but they are there small. There is. They're small. No, there there is a difference between the Russian and the Carniolan, but the reason that you don't think they're mean is the same thing that that I keep telling everybody. It's it's all based on what you know. If you live in an area where all of your bees are Italian or Carniolan, and that's it, mm -hmm. and then you see a Russian bee, you are going to be like, oh my god, what is wrong with these bees? They've got an attitude. But if you live down here with us, where all of our bees have Africanized genetics. And then you give us a Russian bee. We're like, oh, my God, it's a teddy bear. Yeah, like, basically. that's it's all your perspective, right? So to us, a Russian bee is way gentler than our normal feral stock. And and so we can we can handle it, you know, just fine. Mm -hmm. And we see we're going to. OK, one of the cut, not a cutout, one of the, the meter box that we got. 
that was the first, the very first meter box we took out. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, <laughs> are you, are you transitioning into bonus content stuff now? Are we? I think you are. <laughs> Not then. But anyway, that, that queen passed away or no, they killed her. Now we're putting, now they're building two new queens and so that's where I'll stop at that. That's the tease. You'll have to go to the bonus episode and find out the rest of that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> Well, anyhow, hopefully the uh, the whole conversation about being able to read the comb and, and everything, it's still a high-level overview. Uh, I will go through and see if I can work on on getting like the, the PowerPoint presentation recorded with my voiceover in it to go through and, and actually show you what everything is and, and what to look for and how it would normally be laid out. And we'll see if we can get that out there for everybody. If I can figure that out, that will actually greatly help with the education and training videos too because... I can turn segments of some of my normal presentations into training videos that are then pre-recorded and put them out there, and it would it would give some of those patron members, Patreon members, uh, an ability to go through and actually see some of that, and it would be something that I can control because I'm in the studio versus outside with the chainsaws and weed eaters and lawnmowers and all that other noise that's going on. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll definitely look into that, but. For now, we are going to call this a wrap on our Monday segment and uh, let everybody know that we appreciate you guys tuning in and just uh, continue to stay safe, continue to wash your hands, keep your distance from everybody, you know, take everything seriously, but, uh, you know, spend some of this time outside with your bees and in nature and just kind of recharge and relax and recoup. Yep. And, uh, you know... Stay in the sunlight. I think sunlight's good. UV kills COVID virus. So, uh, yeah, let's just stay in the sunlight. But, uh, and work with the bees and uh, get chickens. <laughs> got Ken chicken. got chickens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah got there you chickens. go. There's a final thought for you guys. <laughs> Ken got chickens. <laughs> so I got two things I'm going to barter with. I'm going to have honey and I'm going to have eggs. Hey, I've done it before. It works. That's it for sure. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we're getting out of here. So y'all be good. Y'all be healthy, family. Be healthy. Stay careful. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves. <laughs>